0: good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome to atlantic bushcraft adventures tonight we are on episode 253 and kind of coming back to an old topic we talked about before but kind of with some modern updates we're talking about camp crafts what kind of stuff do we do while we're around the camp that one we find entertaining two i would say almost pass the time but rarely anything we do really passes the time there's usually an under meaning behind it uh though some of the stuff You may do at night, uh, simply because, you know, lack of light and stuff like that. You're going to be huddled around the fire anyway. It does help pass a little time. But, yeah, basically camp crafts. Uh, And there's more than just one of these that we'll do, I'm sure. But we thought we'd talk about some of the things we enjoy, hopefully give you folks out there some ideas, and hopefully we can hear some of the ideas that you folks do that might inspire others or even
1: ourselves to try something new next time we're out there. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing that that we're really going to point out here is a lot of these things are stuff that anyone can do like you don't need an extreme amount of skill or ability but they come in really handy um so you know it's great to talk about what are the things we do we get to camp that you know some pastime, time but some just helps us set up things that we don't have to carry into the woods but once we get there sort of help us out or take up time so some of it's art you know some of it's arts and crafts i said the most important year in school is kindergarten but (laughs) arts and crafts something that's very important
0: in the woods is some form of entertainment and lack of boredom uh hey nomad thanks for joining us again there man uh and yes we've said in the past there's very little downtime and that is the truth there's very little downtime when you're in the woods there's always seems to be something going on but you always manage to find a little time even while you're doing other stuff or at least I find anyway, Ben. Maybe yourself too. Even if you're sitting around the fire, like you're just waiting for the fire to grow or something like that, you always have something in your hands or always playing with something. Or at least, once again, that's how I find stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I never bothered taking into the woods that I'm going. To, I know what my plan is I'm going to make. I mean, the very first thing you do is make a fire, and but this isn't what we're talking about. But there's stuff that goes along with the fire. One of the first things you need is, is a decent pokey stick. Yes. Right? Yeah, that is always... Uh, and mine
0: kind of evolves over the time. You know what I mean? The first poker stick is very rarely the last poker stick.
1: <laughs> right? Because you kind of realize you need to, like, hook things and move things. So sometimes you want to fork on the end. So you want may maybe move some of the rocks or move, move coals to a better location, especially if you're cooking and you want to get the right setup. So right away you're you're making some little tools. Uh, Setting up a very first thing that I thought of when I thought of this. Tent pegs.
0: Oh for sure. We've talked about in uh, past episodes neither of us really take tent pegs with us. We tend to make them while we're out there.
1: Yeah. And I took some the last trip I did and the ground was so hard and rocky that I immediately went and found the first little bit of like alder type growth that I could find. And uh, whipped out a bunch of quick stakes that I, you know, I didn't mind pounding a little harder and and bending the ends up and and destroying them. And that's the beauty of of, of the camp made tent peg. You really don't care if it survives.
0: And that's what I was just about to say. One of the main reasons I don't take tent pegs with me is, anybody that's ever used tent pegs peg down a tent, you probably realize they're not super durable you know what i mean i keep them for when we're setting up in the yard and stuff like that i know the ground's going to be fairly soft they work well in the woods like ben said good luck every single time i go to put a tent peg in the ground i found a rock like it goes without any kind of guess the first time you drive a peg in about three inches down you're gonna hit a rock and it's gonna ruin the tent peg so i tend to make my tent pegs so while i'm out there and if i hit a rock so what just make, make another yeah. peg.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and I see your, your, seems like you may be carving (laughs) it (laughs) now.
0: I told you I had to put this
1: down and what did I do? I picked it right back up. So yeah, I mean, we, we've already quickly mentioned, and these will probably fly you pretty quickly, but like tools for around the camp. So you are setting up your, uh, your tent, you're setting up your fire. Uh, another thing I do, uh, it's just a stick. It's just a straight stick, probably four or five inches long. And I do use a Maryland spike hitch, and I hang it off a tree, and I hang my bag up right yes. away. Uh, I keep a little... Um,
0: I kind of keep a toggle on a string with me. Uh, yeah. And it's just the bottom of my bag, much the same. You just loop it around, drop the toggle through, hang your hip bag on it. It's always off the ground. Keeps the bugs, the creepy crawlies, the uh, rodents, water. Keeps all that stuff off it, because you can usually find... For me i usually use the end of the tree that's my hammocks tied to so everything kind of stays nice and close and i know where it's going to be too you know what i mean if you put your kit bag down stumble around the middle of the night one you got to remember where the kit bag is two then you got to fumble through all of it if you hang your kit bag in a place where you know where it's at what side's facing where even in the middle of the night pitch black you can generally walk up to it and find the necessities aka toilet paper you know what i mean <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You put, you know, you know where some stuff are, you keep it off the ground, keeps it drier, fewer pests. It's it's just a great idea. Um, things like tripods, just to sit your, your pot or something over the stove so you don't have to, or some kind of stand.
0: And here's where I have a lot of fun. Uh, I love fire, that's no secret here. I love primitive fires, I love working around the fire, stuff like that. So not only have I tried making tripods, you can also try making like hanging hooks and adjustable hooks and you can make dovetail stands and you can get really ingenious with this and try some really neat stuff. Now, is all of it practical? Eh, no. Can you get away with doing something way easier 90% of the time? Most likely, but it is a lot of fun and it's something new to try and if you've ever made it a dovetail adjustable rack the time you put into it you're going to hate yourself but when it's all said and done it is really neat and it is 100 percent something that's worth showing off would i do it every single time no not a chance well i do it if i'm in a big group and i know i have the time and i want to show off a little bit
1: absolutely
0: because it's neat just yep. not very
1: practical <laughs> yeah so you know that's another good thing you just showed your uh, your project there so and you you want to talk about that <laughs> well
0: there's a lot of stuff we do that involves wood obviously because we're in the woods it's the most abundant material we have around us so instead of just simply saying oh carving well, what are we carving? There's lots of things we do. And as I was telling Ben just before we came on, I kind of have my family set of spoons I was working on here, and I know I've shown them in the past before. Just when I dug my carving kit out for this episode, I ha- willies happened to fall back out, and I was like, holy crap, I never actually finished that. And the first thing I did was start grabbing sandpaper and trying to finish it off. So I got to keep it away from me, because otherwise I'll be distracted the entire episode. But that is something we've mentioned in the past, carving spoons. Um, any of my utensils, I tend to carve out in the field if I know I'm going to be eating something simple. Uh, And something simple is like rice. Uh, Rice is a big staple of mine when I'm out in the woods because it's easy to keep. It lasts for as long as you want it to while you're out there. I mean, unless you're living out there for years upon years, in which case you'll come up with better systems anyway. But you throw some rice in a Ziploc bag, that's going to stay good for weeks, if not months, you know what I mean? And you can take an abundance off that with some other stuff to flavor it. And I think I've seen shown you the kits before I kind of vacuum seal two cups of rice in with some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? dehydrated chives and a few other things like basically dehydrated soup mix and some spices in a separate little baggie inside the whole vacuum thing. And I mean, it's not bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Is it the best meal I've ever had? No, but it's not bad nice hot rice that's flavored well like even if you put in some of those uh chicken cubes or something like that to give it we'll some really cubes. good taste yeah i mean you can make something pretty tasty with very limited stuff and this is the kind of stuff i throw in the bottom of my backpack anytime i go into the woods not just when i'm bushcrafting and i have a real big habit of making like rice paddles or a real quick spoon or a set of chopsticks or a set of tongs or something like that when i'm in the woods instead of remembering to take my you know foom spork whatever you want to call the stupid thing because i'm so forgetful and one it's a titanium one i don't want to set it down and lose it because i really can't afford another one, to be perfectly honest and frankly you can whip out a rice paddle in like five minutes this one was roughed out with a hatchet and then i just touched it up with a knife like this isn't sanded i don't know if you folks can see that there like it's still rough it still has a spot back here where it's splintered off but it doesn't matter it's smooth enough that like I'm not gonna get any splinters in my mouth. And this is all I need to eat my rice,
1: you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just another quick craft. Um, a few other things. This is one I've been practicing a little bit with. Uh your guide ro- ropes. I've been putting a stick that I can hook the rope on just to lift it up a little bit higher and get my my uh my pull to be a little bit straighter out um and you can make them adjustable you can play with it Uh, a lot of poles especially like my hot tent you can make your own pole quickly enough i mean you can switch it out for a few other things but you can make your own pole it's only a few seconds and if you want to be consistent length cut a string the length you need and when you go in it's quick to cut one out um something i make probably most trips is a good walking stick i was just about to say another thing
0: i love to do while i'm sitting around the fire make a good walking stick i'm probably going to kick over the first tree i find when i'm walking into the woods and just make an impromptu walking stick and if it happens to survive the journey i tend to refine it once i get around the campfire might as well keep the same stick if it works that entire time it's a good stick make it a little nicer
1: you know what i mean
0: i still have i got two walking sticks that one i made back in 2000 it was before porter's lake fire so i'm gonna say it was like 2007 and i still got it it's in my room mel hates me for it but it's literally like right beside the bed i i leave it there because i'm planning to do something with it and it's to remind me it's been two years and i haven't remembered it yet but i have another one out here but anyway like once you got a good walking stick you kind of Get some personal touches to it. I don't know about you, Ben. Do you have any walking sticks that you've saved that kind of have a sentimental value to you for some reason? I have one somewhere from
1: Hurricane Juan. There you go. When Hurricane Juan went down, we started walking around the city, and there was a lot of good hardwood fall that fell down, and I took a, a whole bunch of branches. I just took a buck and I cut branches that are, of you know good handheld hold size that were between five and six foot long. And we were going to make a bunch. We even talked talk to itself, and we never did. But we made a whole bunch, and they stuck around for years. Eventually, I think I even stained it and varnished it. And then I started nailing in little pendants from different parks I've been in. Nice. Mine, I've always wanted it to get to
0: that phase. The one that I have, my favorite one that's in the room, it's got a slight crack in the bottom, so I treat it pretty delicately. But I keep testing it, and it's actually still really tough. But anyway, it was, and this is going to sound terrible, but it's not as terrible as it sounds. It was from the first beaver dam removal I have ever had to do when I was working with natural resources. It was in one of the local parks. Ben and I have both been to this park. If anybody that knows about the Nova Scotia bushcraft gathering, the very first one, it was in this same park. And anyway, uh, at the time I was working with natural resources, this park was under, uh, you know under the office that I worked at. We were in there, the technician at the time that we're having some backing up waters going into the campsites, we had to remove a beaver dam and there was a ton of great sticks there that made walking sticks. Now the beaver had been trapped and relocated and the dam just had to come down to let the water free flow. So we got rid of the dam, but I kept a couple sticks and this one just happened to be super nice. It was on top, so it wasn't waterlogged. I think it's popple if I had to guess, but it's been super dried out, super hard, super nice to work with nice and strong. It's just a really good walking stick. Uh, so a couple comments from the side here. Sorry, I dived down a rabbit hole of walking sticks, but before we go too far, John Doe and Nomad join us over here. So, uh, one thing Nomad said is he likes to practice with and try out new gear. And I think that's something that both you and I do, Ben. We usually take a couple pieces of new gear anytime we go out, uh, just specifically to try it. Uh, is it a hobby that we play around with? Well, But we actually allocate some of the time while we're out there to work on new gear or to test new gear, see what we think of it, put it through its ringers. Um, And and Ben can attest to himself here, but I know he's just like me. I tend to take something out and see, like, not treat it gently, but not super rough, if that makes any kind of sense. I put it to work. I want to make sure it's going to work for me and not have to be babied.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love to take things out and play with it and figure out how it's going to work and if it's if it's usable and if it if it meets the standards that's, that's going to find a, per, a permanent spot in my bag uh mm. so like one of the things that somebody asked me today what saw am i taking in the woods and i'm like Panna, 100 every time that is the night the sigh i take um, and it's because I, I like it it works well the but that we tested that hard a bunch of people tested that hard, and we found it really, you know, it's it did its thing, right? The Other only that... thing
0: about that saw is the pinch factor. <laughs> yeah, but you, you
1: learn pretty quickly because it hurts. Yeah, uh, I was about to say, you only do it once or twice, but everybody does it once or twice. I think the 21 inch is, is close to the perfect length. The 24 is a bit too long to pack away, and the 15 is a bit short. I have the 15 and I have the 21. But the 21 even, for some of my packs, is just, just a, a hair a too two. taller than I'd like it to be. Uh,
0: so let's see. Another comment from the side. If you have the time, challenge yourself to make fire in the most difficult way you can. You can always make it easier, but challenging yourself when you have uh, the time makes good practice. And once again, Ben and I have tried this. Uh, one of our camps that we went into together, we tried making a bow drill one time. Uh, and both of us worked very hard at it, and it was unsuccessful. So luckily we didn't have to use that as our only method of fire for that night, but it is something that we do try. Um, the only caveat I would say to that, like Nomad said here, is if you have the time and you, if you have the conditions, don't set into the woods expecting yourself to make some sort of friction fire and it be your only method of fire making for your trip. doesn't matter if it's the middle of the summer or not, have a backup. Even the best laid plans go south i consider myself a somewhat experienced primitive fire maker and i'm not a master by any level or degree but i can guarantee you i've tinkered with it more than the average person Um, and i still don't rely on my abilities to be able to make a primitive fire you know what i mean like it's there's always that chance that it's just not going to go right the humidity could be too high for friction fire and that is a thing the higher the humidity is the more precise you have to be your ember is going to be harder to get going and stay going please folks always take a lighter or matches or a guaranteed fire method it's absolutely amazing to be able to make fires primitively and it's a great feeling but it also sucks if you're cold trying to get warm and you start to lose dexterity in your fingers and you could have just you know flicked a bit had a nice warm light uh night and been way better off
1: and you know what you can always have a fire and then practice your fire making skills um and it means that you're not necessarily cold and you're not necessarily miserable and you have a bit of light. So it's it's after it gets dark, you already got a fire going. You know, get the bow drill and try to do a hand drill. Even practice with your fer- ferro rod, if that's your thing, or flint and steel. Um, but whatever your method, just get used to making that that flame, that flicker. And from there, I mean, after your initial flame, it's the same with any lighting method after that, whether you have the skills to do everything else. So, you know, building up your fire and all that. If you can do it with one match, well, the one match challenge is, you now know, that's a trickier a great... challenge than you think, honestly. But it's a great challenge because it teaches you how to set everything up so that you can light the fire with, you know, one flame, one quick flame that you know you only get a lot of time with. If you can do that repetitively, then now your fire, your, uh, you know, your primitive fire method more likely to succeed.
0: And this is what um, I tell a lot of people when it comes to primitive fire. Don't start with the bow drill right away. Learn to make a tinder bundle. And just literally like take a small ember, a coal from another fire and see if you can blow it into a flame. You're gonna learn so much out of that that's gonna help you down the road because getting the ember in almost any primitive fire making is only half the battle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's 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 fully it, right? Um, get to that level, um. But yeah, fire is a great one. We we've talked a ton a bit about that. What else? Um. Oh, my faces. Your wood sprites that still terrify
0: me every time I go down by the waterfall because <laughs> it's still in the tree.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it's aged a bit by now. Oh yeah, yeah
0: that it, it's real creepy actually now, Ben. Next time I go down,
1: I'll have to take a picture for you. So, um. Great way to just practice your carving skills and getting getting cuts and and things you want. Just practice carving different things and you know little faces or little little trinkets, things that you can leave around. They're fun to leave on trails. You can hang them in trees. You can do different things and freaks people out, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, anything you can do. Um, I know because you you don't have a ton of time tonight. I want to get through a few things. Rope. Um, and Mel, she she showed me um, it at the first Bushcrafting Weekend how she made rope. And that was pretty cool. She also told me you could do a really good job with uh, toilet paper.
0: So funny enough, the whole rope-making thing. Um, I showed Mel the basics of how to do it, and she just got better at it than I did. And the whole way I showed her how to do it with was one-ply toilet paper. Uh... And now that I'm no longer working there, I guess I can talk about it a little more. Previous to my current job, I used to work in uh, Department of Corrections. And one of the things that we learned really quickly was that these folks are very... Creative? What's that? Creative? Creative. There, there was another yeah. word I was looking for, but creative is a good word. And it was actually an inmate that showed me how to do reverse twisted ply rope with one ply toilet paper and he's like oh yeah you do it twice and it'll hold your weight and i'm like no way and he showed me and sure enough first time through it held a ton of weight and then he did it up again and it it held like 150 pounds like it was extremely rugged stuff but it's all in how you twist the material and it's super good to learn and honestly it was a great way to learn because toilet paper one ply it's real thin it's delicate but it stays together good you can physically and visually see the braid you know what i mean it makes more sense than if you're trying to do it with a fibrous material and it's kind of getting fluffy on itself and then you kind of lose track of what you're doing you kind of have to do it more by feel than by sight as with the toilet paper you can do it by sight more than feel now here's my backup folks don't use the toilet paper you're taking out there to use because you'll very quickly run through your toilet paper, and then when you need it, it's not there. Learned this from experience too on the same trip.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a good one because there's so many fibrous materials, and collecting fibrous materials is good. Uh, something else that I, if the season's quite is right for it, and I can find. Um, Cattails or bull rushes, I guess what they're technically called. When well, I found that out recently. Read books for years. They talk about bull I don't know what that is, but I know what cattails are. They're the same thing apparently. Cattail yeah. leaves are nice and long and, and thin and they, they make really good uh weaving material. You can weave baskets and also And when it dries, it's actually pretty strong.
0: Oh, it's nice and flexible
1: with wet, but once it dries, it actually kind of becomes rigid. Um, And so, yeah, just try to weave a basket or try to weave a, you know, a container that you can just put berries in or something. It's a really good thing to practice. Um, And once you learn to weave, what you can make is almost unlimited. You you can make containers and covers, but you can also make clothing if you had to. You thin the material out, like narrower pieces and weave it tighter, but that's all your your shirt, your pants are. It's just weave material.
0: Oh, yeah just a lot finer than I do with my fingers, but it's just made by a big mechanical
1: loom. And all a loom yeah. does is weave. So, yeah, I think the biggest part of all our camps, though, is making something that's useful that you didn't have to physically carry in. And so you get to a site, you're trying to make that site as as comfortable as possible, as as useful as possible. So you build your little kitchens, and you build your little your fire pit and your, your sleeping area. And then you start building the amenities. And those are the crafts, you know, everything you build adds on. You can build a rope and a basket. Now you, you know, you have something else, you know, rope and a basket. You have a way of moving material and hanging things out of the way of trees, of, of, of animals and stuff. There's so much you can do. And well, it comes, but.
0: No, I was going to say something else that you and I have done is uh trap making, not just set yeah. out and actually, try and catch anything but just to practice your skills we did a spring pole snare and we did a figure four deadfall and a few other ones too and they're just good things to practice out there because a lot of the notches and mechanics that are involved in that you can take and do other things with it doesn't necessarily have to be trapping uh but a lot like a tri-stick that's a great thing to learn a ton of notches and how they go together and stuff like that and if anybody doesn't know what a tri-stick is we talked about in the past before just google it bushcrafting tri-stick um so, John Doe has a couple things over here for kids. One event that he goes to every year, uh, the kids put on musical skits for adults during the Saturday Night Fire, complete with costumes. So, I mean, if you're in a campsite, something like that, that could be a lot of fun. Let your kids go wild with it. Kids love dress-up, depending on their age, of course. Uh, nah, all kids, even adult kids, love to dress up sometimes. Um <coughs> trust me if somebody gives me a cape or a cloak i'm putting that sucker on and i'm running around to watch it flap in the breeze like we there's a part of us that never grows up you know what i mean uh the other I thing you're gonna kid- say a
1: dress or a wig <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh i sometimes bring sheets and let the kids finger paint on them then i make a teepee for them using the sheets that they painted in to play with this is also a great project you can do in your backyard this is actually a real good idea john uh and just spiraling off this uh, thrift stores great place to get cheap sheets. You know what I mean run them through the washer give them some Javix uh, Clean them out. And then I mean they're literally, you know Use them if you want to use them and get rid of some old sheets do whatever. But I mean once again, it's a great place to grab materials I go to the thrift shops like value village and a lot of uh, Frenchies Louis, whatever And I get a lot of material there for a lot of my crafts, like leather. You can find old leather suitcases and get the leather for stuff. You can get old clothing. It's a great place to pick up 100% cotton if you're trying to make char cloth. Um, But yeah, pick up a cheap set of sheets. Give the kids some finger paints. Let them go wild and then make a tent out of it of some sort. TP, tent, whatever. Kids love forts. We've talked about before, Ben, and just to add on to this, let your kids build
1: shelters. That's a ton of fun. Oh, man. You leave, well, I don't, I believe it's, it's, it's true for everyone, but kids, especially, definitely most men I know, and, and a lot of women, you leave them alone with the option to build a fort or a shelter, they're gonna do it At time and time again. And uh, as kids, that's what we did. We went in the woods, we built forts and camps and just places to escape and let your imagination run, run wild. And that's when you start making these little crafty things that make it neat, right? Next thing you know, you got pulleys to pull your your uh, stuff out of your way and, and move things, and you know you create doors and and to things. Like you just have fun, right?
0: Let your imagination uh. go wild. Literally, that's the only thing that restricts you in the woods. If you get some basic skills with carving, rope making, notch making, time and your imagination are the only two limitations. You know what I mean? I've seen some people make some real nifty stuff. buddy of mine, Marcus English, I know you know him too there, Ben. You've seen him. I've shown you pictures and stuff. He's got a mind that is just amazing. You know what I mean? He can take the weirdest stuff and make even better stuff out of it. Uh, And it's just, he doesn't, he's very mellow and humble about it, I should say too. And he just goes, eh, you just think it and do it. And he can't be more right. You know what I mean? And if you don't get it right the first time, well, you haven't failed. You just learned what doesn't work so you try again
1: yeah um yeah um the only thing i think that i had on my thoughts that i didn't mention is uh using a little bit of fire coals and stuff you can turn a piece of wood into a bowl or a mug or a cup things like that we we kind of did the spoons most people carve their spoons you can use the same method but just burning the material instead of cutting uh, gives you some options. But as you build these things and improve these things, you know, one thing leads to the next.
0: 100%. And on that note of carving and stuff like that, one little thing I did want to jump into this episode, and I already told you about it, Ben, was way back. Uh, we talked about carving and stuff before, and I can't remember what number it was, but I had a carving kit picked up a carving kit. It was sub $30 on Amazon. I said I was going to test it out and come back at some point in the future to elaborate on this kit a little bit. Well, I've had this kit for, I think over two years now. Uh, and I've had some time to play with it and I got a follow-up. Not most of a, not really a review. Cause I already kind of reviewed it when we first did it all. Everything I said there still stands. It's a great kit for the money. Uh, And at the time I said, oh, it'll be a good kit and I'll probably stay with it for a long time. And I did and I tried it and all that good stuff. I have found, now that I'm using it more and my skills have developed a little bit more, um, the kit is found a little lacking. And if anybody is wondering what the kit is that I'm talking about, it's just this basic three-piece kit from Amazon and I have every... I found took me a while i dug up all the parts because some of it i lost or misplaced or whatever you want to call it so it comes with a piece of leather i'm not going to leave this in the case it's just a standard piece of leather um some polishing compound which i never opened that's the piece that was lost and then your three carving yep. tools and as you can tell some of them have been used more than others aka the dark one that's full of dirt and hand grime <laughs> but yeah i kept all the little pieces stuff like that i really tried to give this a good review uh, one thing I will say is this one here actually later became one of my favorites simply because that little notch fits a ferro rod so good and will throw sparks like there is no tomorrow, but that's a whole other thing. Um, the kit itself is good. The quality of the materials is definitely starting to show now. Uh, the edges, they don't last super long. I would have rather, um, excuse me, I would have rather a material or a slightly harder steel. And once again, it kind of shows in the hook knife here. And I don't know if it's going to come across on the camera or not. But at the very, uh, which one am I in this one? Uh, At the very end there, like I said, I guess it's not going to focus in. Well, I just stabbed my camera. That's cool. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Anyway, along the bottom here, it started warping. And I mean, like, it's got these weaves in it that I just can't seem to get out. And I think it's coming just because the material is a little cheaper. And as you're pushing it in, it's pushing on itself and it's flexing in either ways. And it's just starting to show. Uh, And to be fair, like I said, I take my stuff and I actually use it. I don't try to baby it. I wasn't using like um, popple when I was carving or softwoods and stuff like that. Though I did use some of those. I also threw some harder woods at it like maple. Uh, Some of it dry, some of it wet i wanted to try everything to see how it was going to hold up and it holds up okay for like i said the 25 dollars i think i paid for it still getting great value for your money just if you want like one and done probably look a little higher in the price range get a little better handles get a little better material if you're just looking for something to take into the woods and tinker with this thing still can't be beat for the cost and what you get for it in all honesty uh the spoons that i was holding up here this one and the just this one, I guess, was made with the kit. These ones here were made with just my belt knife. So you don't, that's the other side of this that I want to talk about. You don't necessarily need the specialty tools. You can literally do this with folding knives and belt knives. The only downside is this is the one done with a belt knife and you can see how thick that is. Versus the one with the carving kit, you can get a little bit more finer detail because the knives are a little shorter bladed. You got a little better control of the pressure that you're putting on there. Uh, on like my belt knife, which has like, you know, a five foot, uh, five foot, <laughs> a five inch blade on it. You tend to get a lot of leverage. So you end up taking out little bigger chunks even when you're not trying to. So you tend to leave a little bit more room, a little thicker going on. You know what I mean? That's where when you got the finer knives, you can get down a little nicer and do a little bit more delicate work there
1: so i'm really glad you finally got that 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 belt sword (laughs) (laughs) yeah five feet could you
0: imagine excuse me while i whip this thing out and take your own head off you have to carry it over your
1: shoulder though right yeah it's no
0: it's kind of attached to the belt i guess i just tuck it down my back and down my pant leg so i'm always walking straight legged but it's the only way i can get it around you got to tuck it in your boot or it falls pulls your pants down all the time it's just terrible
1: I made a six-foot sword for a guy one time. Uh, It was all wooden, but it was just, you know, a prop. And it was absolutely ridiculous. It was so fun to play with. (laughs) So, story time. Just
0: because uh, this is going to be a shorter episode anyway, and I love to throw one of these off-topic stories in here. Uh, In high school, we were doing Romeo and Juliet and being, you know, the dumb teenage boy that I was. One of the options was you had to make a sword for this whole thing. Like you could either do a play or write a story, make a sword, make a prop, whatever. So I got in my head, yeah, all right, I'm going to make a sword. So by the time it was all said and done, it came out, I think it was right around six feet long and weighed a little around 150 pounds. So it was like a monster (laughs) of this sword. And they were talking like a rapier, right? Like they wanted basically a prop rapier and i built this straight on bastard sword is what it actually was so it was heavy as hell like it was basically unwieldy but if you could wield it uh and at the time i was in rugby i had pretty good strength to me i mean i couldn't wield this thing like a butter knife but i could get it up on my shoulder and then i could get it moving and if i could get it moving i could take down no word of a lie ben five inch softwood trees one swing (laughs) you know what i mean like you just had to get it moving and then the weight carried it through it Uh, wasn't precision it was destruction but it was a lot of fun i think that thing's still sitting in marigamish probably thrown out back after dad found it made me get
1: rid of it yeah maybe it's now rusted a few pounds off it'd be easier to carry (laughs) it
0: might be a way more wieldy now but i mean at the time once again i was just a dumb what would i have been 17 year old kid and i was just like oh yeah i'll make a sword watch this and i thought i'd be funny for all my buddies uh i didn't get a good grade on the project i do remember that specifically because i went completely outside the scope of what they were looking for but um yeah we did find out that you could cleave a cow's head off with it leave that to your imagination no cows were harmed in this that weren't pre-existingly (laughs) deceased.
1: (laughs) <laughs> wow so that's, that's quite sore buddy
0: <laughs> uh once again we're talking it wasn't precision this was not a surgical blade <laughs> this was like a grenade <laughs> you know what i mean took a couple of people to get the thing moving but once you did there was no stopping it and i mean it was just a hand grinder edge on it once again keep in mind i am a kid but you can get a pretty sharp edge on a oh, yeah. thick piece of steel with a hand grinder. You know what I mean? And when it weighs the, 150 the... pounds, you throw it at something, it's going to keep going. Oh, yeah. That thing was well, the... dangerous, man.
1: Have you seen the wood splitting sword? No. Can't say as I have. Oh, it's... it's. I think you can get it in Canada. There's a sword you can get for wood splitting.
0: Sweet. Send me a link. Uh, I do know that the one downfall to this thing was it was full tang, and if you hit something hard, the vibrations that came back through it would damn near rip your arms off. Like I said, this thing killed at both ends. It, It was just absolutely silly. That's the only way to describe it. Absolutely silly. Uh, oh, Nomad, sorry, I forgot about your comment there. The husk off uh, cattail stalks makes good twine. And I was actually gonna mention this way back with the rope topic that we did there. That's actually one of Mel's favorite to- uh, materials. Take the outside dry leaves off, use for weaving, as Ben had said, the inside kind of more malleable, semi-wet, not wet, damp, but uh, I don't mean sopping wet. I mean, it's, it's like live bulrush. Um, you can rip that down in tiny little strips and you can roll that into reverse uh, two-ply cordage and it gets super strong once it tight, like dries up and tightens in a little bit. Uh, just don't roll it super tight to the point where when it dries, it cracks. Uh, let's see, Nomad. I know it's not a craft, but taking a 22 long rifle out or air rifle is definitely a good activity, particular for kids, uh, given the, the laws in your area and all that stuff there. Uh, so here in Canada, uh believe it or not it's way easier to take a shotgun out than it is a 22 long rifle there's all kinds of stipulations on when you can take a 22 long rifle out basically you can only do it from mid-december to march 1st uh and that's only for hunting snowshoe hare. the only other time you'd be able to take it is like to a gun range or something like that now however with a wildlife habitat stamp you are allowed to take out shotgun uh basically year-round depending if you're harvesting other harvestable wildlife which could be including red squirrel bullfrog Uh, raccoon, crow, and a few other species there. But once again, you have to have a wildlife habitat stamp. You have to have all your training. Uh it's just not as easy in Canada to get that stuff done, but you can do it. There is legal routes to go about it. And if anybody's interested in that, I do encourage you to look at your local laws and regulations and see what you gotta do to make that happen. You can do it. There's just some red tape involved.
1: Um I also take oftentimes I got a slingshot. I got another one for Christmas, actually. Uh, fewer people hassle you that and bows you can generally take bows year-round there's no actual law against it uh, right back there stop shooting uh, yeah. whatever
0: I'm pointing to right there's my bow that's a crossbow and that's a crossbow crossbows can't take out basically same laws as a gun except for storage laws storage laws there are no storage laws on a crossbow in Canada it basically just has to be inside uh, but the bow here that is great for taking out stump shooting and you can have a lot of fun with that you just can't be you know molesting wildlife basically you can't shoot at wildlife you can't be disturbing them all that stuff you basically have to target shoot but still it's a ton of fun but like ben said slingshot you want to talk about something fun as a slingshot or that pocket slingshot you have everybody loves that thing man that's just fun
1: i got a new version of it Echo. go Somewhere. That might be another kitten. Um, Yeah, I got the one with the wrist brace now, so, man, oh, I'm going. Oh, nice. Now you're sniping stuff. So, But, yeah, a lot of fun. I mean, you can sit that out, set up a target, whatever it is, a stick, of, a log, a board, a plate, whatever you want to shoot at, hop can. And, you know, you can spend hours just plinking at it. You can shoot little rocks and pebbles and uh, steel balls if you want. You can. And the beauty of this is quiet. So even if there's neighbors not too far away, you're not bothering anyone. No,
0: and much to, like Nomad said there, he suggested an air rifle as well, which the uh, laws and air rifles are slightly less strict, but if anybody's following Canadian politics right now, you'll realize that the current government regime, um, they're very, I don't want to say anti-gun, they're very (laughs) pro-get-rid-of-guns. You know what I mean, or limit guns, I guess, more specifically. So there are, once again, a lot of things in Canada that doesn't make it easy to take anything that's firearm-related or even firearm-looking out into the woods before somebody's going to get a call and you're going to have people in red and blue lights stopping in to check up on you uh it's just it's it's not easy for us up here unfortunately the only way you're going to get out and do that kind of stuff is basically a registered gun range with all of your papers and certifications with legally acquired firearms that have been registered and blah 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 once again can be done just red tape uh enjoy that adventure is all i can say because it is going to be an adventure but once again can be done if that's what you so choose but a slingshot like ben said that that's your go-to right there here man you can buy a slingshot at crappy tire canadian tire uh walmart any of the big box stores I can get mine get at, at Princess auto. what's
1: that get mine at princess auto
0: princess auto amazon they're not overly expensive you can make a good slingshot if you go get some surgical tubing from one of the said places uh or you know what if you really want to try just an actual sling you know what i mean like a sling and stone Not the old rubber band, but the old swing around snap. Uh, There's kind of a whole skill to that or an atlatl. That's another great thing that you can make out in the woods and teach kids uh depending on the kids once again don't teach them something they're going to take to school and try and spear one of their friends with but if they're a somewhat mature and understanding child an atlatl is an amazing project to make too and they're pretty easy to make out in the woods basically it's just a stick with a hook on it and a nice straight piece of wood with a little divot on the end and you can do some great stuff with that john doe i'm in florida uh practically no gun laws uh you know what it is what it is, John. It's just Canada's a little stricter on stuff. It's just the way the current world is. I'm not going to say it's good, bad, or otherwise. It just is what it is for us right now.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. I just cost you
0: $400. Oh, you just sent me something, didn't you? What'd you send me, Ben? <clears throat> oh, the only thing that's saving me is my phone's not in here. i'll look at it when i go up there maybe mel hid my phone it's hard to say
1: <laughs> but oh anyway... she's probably just filing for divorce so you don't spend the money but
0: <laughs> but anyway folks yeah that's just some of the ideas that we do that we uh it's some of the projects that we do while we're out there that are kind of work kind of project kind of fun kind of hobby it all kind of comes together and that's the beauty of bushcrafting the stuff that's even work comes off as playing if you do it right Uh, Anything from fire making, to making utensils, to playing with uh, atlatls and slingshots, to working on your tent, to building shelters, to taking your kids out there and getting them to experience things and having them things fun to try with. Literally, your imagination is your limitation. Just go out in the woods, see what's around you and see what you can do with it. Uh, We do stress that you don't cut down live trees or change the landscape too much. We are very big advocates for Leave No Trace, but if it's private land and you're out there having a little fun, be our guest have some fun tell us some stories let us know what you folks like to do while you're out there and maybe you'll give us some ideas like i said at the start i'm always looking for something new to try while i'm out there
1: yeah me too um yeah oh yeah (laughs) get out there have fun enjoy it if uh you come up with anything new or fun let us know see you
0: next week night everybody i'm off to buy a wood splitting sword